this in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12, where Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Okay. I noticed what he mentioned there in verse 12 when he talked about how Jesus Christ had enabled him and had counted him faithful, putting him into the ministry. And what, the title of my message this morning is Counted Faithful. Counted Faithful. You know, what, what are some of the most important traits that someone needs in order to be used of God? I personally believe faithfulness is something that God is looking for in people. A lot of times we, you know, it's like, well, we're always looking for that really talented person or that really smart person. But the truth is, we see right here in this verse, they, I believe what qualified Paul, God counted him faithful. And notice what he says too, that God counted him, or he says, he had enabled me. Yeah, a lot of times people think, well, I can't ever be used of God because I don't have this ability or I don't have that ability. But the truth is, it's God who enables us. And I believe that God enables those who are faithful. And many people today, you know, they often wonder, you know, whenever it comes to being used of God or even being used of man, being used in the church, they often, you know, will wonder why they're overlooked. You know, why don't I get, you know, asked to do this? Why can't I hold this, you know, certain position? And not understanding what people look for, because really what man looks for, it's the same thing that God looks for, and that's faithfulness. Hey, who can we count on? There's a lot of people, and I've known a lot of these people over the years that are real quick to volunteer for something. I mean, if you ask for a volunteer, I mean, pastors a lot of times are scared of asking for volunteers in front of the whole church because usually a pastor, if he knows his church very well, he knows who's going to raise their hand. And a lot of times, it's not the person that you can count on. And it's like, you know, you try, you know, you want, you want to avoid that hand because it's like, no, we know you. Uh, you volunteer for everything. And you never come through on what you say you're going to come through on. We, you know, we've got a lot of big talkers in Christianity today. There's a lot of people that really talk a good game, but you cannot count on them. And you know, there's some people that are actually very impressive people that have some pretty good abilities. That I mean, if you do give them something to do, they will do it and they will do it very well. But the problem is, when it comes to church, you know, this is a long-term thing that we're in. And they'll do great for a month, but that's about it. Or they might do good for even a year, and that's about it. And then they, you, just, you can't count on them. They're not faithful. And a lot of times, we just you know these things about people. And a lot of times, there's people in church, their problem is they're not faithful. It's not that they don't have abilities. Their problem is they're not faithful. Nobody can count on them. And what they end up doing a lot of times, you know, people like to, everybody likes to be a victim today. And they'll start, there's some mistakes people often make when they feel like they're being overlooked is they, they act like everyone's treating them unfairly. You know, why would the pastor ask this person to do it instead of me? I'm better than they are at that. Well, you might be way better, but that person's faithful, you're not. That person can be counted on, you can't. You know, they'll, a lot of these people too, they come into churches and they're always sitting around waiting for 
you know, this divine appointment. You know, they're waiting for the pastor to appoint some position to them just out of the blue. And it's like, you know, they're waiting for this big calling instead of just being faithful in little things, instead of just doing the things that they should do. I'm sorry, if you're not even going to be faithful to the house of God, why would we think you're going to be faithful to anything else? And if you're not faithful in the little things, nobody's going to expect to be faithful in the big things. And a lot of times they end up feeling sorry for themselves and you're like, well, you know, I'm not being used because, you know, I'm just not as smart. I'm not as good looking. I'm not as talented. But the truth is, when it comes to being used of God and even being used of man, what people are looking for is someone that they can count on. And the Apostle Paul, he mentions that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And Paul, did, he didn't get counted faithful or he didn't get put into the ministry because of his abilities, because he mentioned that it was God who enabled him. It was God who gave him the abilities he had. What Paul needed to have was faithfulness. And he had that. And so God was able to use him, even though Paul was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, an injurious, even though the Apostle Paul was somebody who at one time worked against the church, was an enemy of the church, you know, we see that God changed him. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. Why? Because he had faith in Jesus Christ. And, you know, it's like, hey, this is why God came into the world. He came into the world to save sinners of whom I am cheap. And so, you know, if, it, if you've got a bad past, if you've messed up in the past, if you're somebody, maybe you were a bad student in school and you're just not the smartest person in the world, you don't have a whole bunch of education, you don't have a whole bunch of talent, that doesn't mean you can't be used of God. All you've got to do is be faithful. And if you would be faithful, then God would enable you to do bigger things and to do better things. And you would be able to outdo, I believe, the talented people and the smart people if you would just have faithfulness in your life. Anybody can be faithful. Not anybody can be the most talented, you know, greatest, smartest person in the world, but anyone can be faithful. To whatever it is God does give them. And I believe if you do that, God will enable you. And if Liberty Baptist Church is going to do great things for God, we have to have an army of faithful servants. People, we don't need an army of the smartest. We don't need an army of the brightest. We don't need an army of rich people to come into this church to make Liberty Baptist Church great. We need the ones that are here right now to be faithful. To just be faithful across the board, that needs to be your trait. You gotta be faithful. You gotta be willing to get on board with the program of this church and not your own program. You don't want, you don't want to know one of the just, you know, you mind if I just rant a little bit with y'all today and just kind of share some of my, uh, burdens and things that just have kind of, you know, got to me over the years. You know, from the time we started this church, okay? From the very first Sunday, alright? Now, Obviously, it was none of the people that are here, right? Because you're still here, right? You know, you're obviously the faithful ones. But from the week one, okay? Now, you all know that before we started this church, didn't know any, didn't know any of you, okay? You know, we, some of you we visited a few weeks before, and you showed up here that first week. But other than those encounters of us knocking on your door or whatever before, didn't know you before. So we start the church. The only one that I know for sure is going to be here on that first Sunday is my family. And then the second Sunday, I don't know for sure, you know? I mean, I was just waiting. Let's, let's see what happens. But, you know, from the first Sunday, we had people that came here and 
it was pretty amazing some of the expectations that they had from a brand new church. You know, there's people that before we've even had our first service, we're knocking on their doors, inviting them to church. And what are they doing? They're asking about the children's programs we have in church. What kind of children's programs do you have in church? You know, what kind of fun stuff do you have in this church? And it was like immediately they're wanting us to compete with all the big churches that have been here for years. I'm like, well, man, this is a church plant. We're just getting started. I mean, we're going to have preaching. That's about it. You know, we're, you know, we're going to have some congregational singing, but that's about it. Because we're, we're just getting started. But people, they're, you know, it's like they would come in and yeah, this church doesn't look like it's that close to having the big, you know, the youth group yet and the fun stuff. And so they would move on. And, you know, many people, when it comes to church, they have, they're like these, they're kind of one issue people. They've got their one thing that they like. Some people, I've known people that are in churches because that church has got a big choir. You know, maybe these people are good singers and they want to sing in a big choir. Well, I'm 100% for choirs, but you, know, you don't go to the church because of the choir. Okay, you go to the church because of the doctrine in that church. And a lot of people, they'll go into church and it's small. They don't have those things. Well, I like singing in a choir. That's my thing. And since this church doesn't have a choir, I don't really see why I need to be here. Some people, they go to a church because that church, maybe they have a Christian school. They want their kids in the school. That church has a good sports program. They want their kids in a sports program. But are those reasons to go to a church? Now, I'm all for sports. I'm all for fun stuff. But I personally think that those things are just bonus things. Those are things that we do on the side that we can do for fun. But in the in the end, a lot of people, they do, they're, they're coming to church. We've had them visit here over the years. And because we don't have all those other things, they, they move on. They're not interested. And the thing is, if we ever do get to where we're bigger and we have some more of the, you know, we do more fun stuff, for lack of a better term, some of those people will probably want to come back. But you know what? First of all, and when that happens, you know, I'm not saying we need to run those people off or anything like that, but understand, we can't count on those people. And the truth is, we don't need those people. We need people who are willing to be faithful and get on board with the program of this church, okay? This church, we're about the preaching. We're about the soul winning. We're about getting people saved. Those are the things that are the most important things. And as we grow as a congregation... You know, we can start doing some of those things later, but in the meantime, if we don't have people who are going to be faithful in these things, in just attending church, in, uh, you know, in the soul winning, in giving financially to the church, how are we ever supposed to have all those other things? You know, when we had our first Sunday, our very first service we had, we took up the offering, had no clue what was going on. We had like, we, I think we had like $400 come in our very first offering we had. And you know what? We're, I was excited about it. Hey, $400 on the first offering. But you know what? You can't run a church and have a full-time pastor on $400 a week. All right? I'm sorry. You know, I've got six kids and uh, I can't live on $400 a week and pay the bills of this church on that. But yet, people still had all these expectations. Hey, pastor, why don't we have, why don't we have this ministry? Well, you realize if we did, I would have to do that, right? 
And it's like, I'll, I'll come to the church, you know, once you guys start doing this and this and this. Well, here's the thing. Right now, I need some faithful people that will come and that will give when we don't have all those things so the church can actually start paying me full time so I can do all those things so I don't have to work another job. But many people, they don't have, they don't have that attitude. They're not willing to be that those faithful people in the beginning doing the work and they've, they've already got their own program. They've got their own agenda. And like, I'll be a part of the church when it has this and this and this. And the truth is, that's not, that's not being faithful. That You're not somebody that you can count on if you'll do that. You need to be the person who's willing to be faithful when the church is small. Who's willing to do your part whenever there's not a lot of people doing it. There's a lot of people that I come across too that, you know, they'll, they're always, you know, they're, I, I come across people all the time, they're always complaining to me about how their church doesn't do any soul winning. And I know these people. Let me tell you, I, I've, I've come across these people my whole life. I, I've been around before. And yeah, our church doesn't do any soul winning. You know, I, I, I believe in churches that do soul winning, blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, are you doing any soul winning? And they're not doing it either. And, you know, some of these people, they'll come into other churches too. And maybe the church does have a soul winning program. I, I found this church has a soul winning program, but hardly anybody goes out. Oh, really? So you're only going to do it when the crowd's doing it? You know, everybody wants to go to the church where, you know, they got 50, 100 people out soul winning. They don't want to be a part of the one that's only got a couple people out soul winning. They don't want to be faithful in the early stages and help it grow. And I'm telling you, you know, we need, we need people that are willing to do things while it's small, while there's not a lot of people who will be faithful and who will stick to things. And many of these, said so many of these other things that are fine, but you've got to have that core group of faithful church members. People who will, you know, help get the bills paid, who will help get the pastor full time, who will be involved on the things that are really important, like the soul winning. And giving people the gospel. You've, you've got to have that before you have all those other things. And churches that do have those, they end up growing and they end up doing some of these other things. And you do. You get the carnal people that come just for that. But the problem is, you, know, you can't build a church on that stuff. And you shouldn't build a church on that stuff. And so one of the passes of past, challenges of pastoring a smaller church you know, with sometimes people who come from the big church is they often expect you to be able to do some of the same things that the big church did. That's like, have you looked at that church's financial statement and our financial statement? You see how you, you realize how many people are giving so those ministries can happen that you are just wanting to freeload on? Sorry, we can't do that right now. We need the faithful people. We need the ones we can count on and those are the ones that are going to be used of God. Not those people who just are the bandwagon people who are willing to do something when everybody's doing it. And so what is it that we need to do to take it to the next level? Because I believe we need, we need people that we can count on to carry the burden of these ministries. We've got an over, There's an overabundance of people in Christianity today that they, they, they talk a good game but they couldn't walk it to save their life. They will, they will run their mouth about these churches that don't have a soul winning program or a small soul winning program, but they've never consistently done it faithful for any length of time in their life. 
They've never gone out soul winning more than two weeks in a row in their entire life, yet they're going to run it down all these other places where maybe they're not doing it. They're not willing to just get in and help, help it grow, help turn it into something. All they want to do is run their mouth. Well, how come everybody else, in the, you know, they'll, they'll come into a church, they're new into a church, and they're like, how come everybody in the church isn't on board with this and doing that? And then, instead of them getting on board and being faithful, now all of a sudden they're unfaithful like everybody else. And then they talk about that church like there's something wrong with it. Well, you know what the problem with that church is? Everybody's just like you. That's the problem. See, and if you want to be used, you've got to be willing to stand up. You've got to be willing to make that difference and be faithful. No one else is. Turn over to 1 Timothy 3. Let's look at some scriptures that are really important. I want to point out some things to you that you need to see because I'm telling you, we've got this attitude today. People, they walk into churches and they've got this mentality, you know, you should put me in charge of this. I should be appointed to this. You know, use me for this. Use me for that. And they get mad when you don't give them what they want. They get mad when you don't use them like they should. But I'm going to show you that you know, being counted faithful, all right, to, you, to, you don't just automatically get that. Trust is something that you earn. It's not something that you have a right to. Nobody has the right to just come in here and then me just trust them. And me just be able to you know, count on them. And you, you do, you get in trouble. If you don't, I'm sorry, I don't trust you. Well, how dare you not trust me? I can't help it. I don't trust you. You know, I, I, I don't know you. I haven't known you very long. Uh, you know, from your history that you're telling me about, doesn't sound like you've ever consistently done anything for more than six months in your entire life. You know, we need to check you out first. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, okay, this is where we get the requirements for a bishop and a deacon. And let's look at some of these verses because we need to get this in our head. This is something you need to understand. It says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A lot of people desire an office. A lot of people desire a position. And the office of a bishop, this specifically, is talking about the office of a pastor. And he's saying if you desire that, you're desiring a good work. A lot of people desire positions that are good positions, that are good works. But nobody just gets it handed to them. Okay, and it says right here for a bishop, because there are some requirements. A bishop must be blameless. The husband of one wife. Vigilant. Sober. Of good behavior. Given to hospitality. Apt to teach. Not given to wine. No striker. Not greedy of filthy lucre. But patient. Not a brawler. Not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Notice all these things he's given, all these requirements. Do you realize that if we are going to know if someone fits these or fulfills these requirements, we are going to have to watch them for a while. You can't figure this out after one week or one month or one year. It, these things take time. And one of the things that I see too, there's a lot of young guys out there. They want to be preachers. They want to be in the ministry. They want to be a pastor. They want to go on the mission field or something like that. And it's like they want to just waltz into a church and they want to get ordained. They want to get put in this position. But listen, as a pastor, you know, 
I can't, I'm not supposed to just put anybody into the ministry. I'm not supposed to just ordain anybody. There are some things, there are some requirements people are supposed to have. And some of these things, it takes a while before we're going to know if somebody fills these requirements. You know, it's one of the things it mentions is they have to be patient. Well, patience, okay, how do you know if somebody's patient? Well, hey, how do they handle hard times, you know, for long periods of time? You're going to have to watch them for a long period of time to find out. You're going to have to see them go through some hard times. As a pastor, before I would ordain anybody, one of my biggest things, I mean, my biggest thing I look for in somebody, my number one requirement for somebody that I would ordain is faithfulness. Okay? I don't care if the guy has a super high IQ. I mean, I care. I want him to know the Bible. I want him to you know, have read through the Scripture several times. I want him to have a good knowledge of the Bible. But one of the main things I'm going to look at in somebody is, are they faithful? You know, And I'm going to want them to come to church for a while. I'm going to want to watch. Hey, are these people faithful to the house of God? Do they come all the time? Are they going to be here at all the services? Are they going to be here when the weather's good, when the weather's bad? Are they going to be dropping out for every little thing? You know, are, are these going to be somebody we can count on? Because if that person is going on to go start a church or be a pastor somewhere, they're definitely going to need to be that way. How would you all like it if I just regularly didn't show up? And I didn't even call anybody. I just didn't show up out of the blue. You know, you all have a big problem with that, wouldn't you? But you know, it's okay for everyone else to do that. That's kind of the attitude people have. And you know, And the truth is, uh, there's a lot of people like that. You know, I, I, I've watched them over the years. You can't count on them. They're not regular church attenders. You know, they don't go soul winning regularly. You just can't count on them for anything. They won't consistently do anything for any length of time, and yet they want a position. But the truth is, before somebody gets a position, they need to be counted faithful. They need to have been watched for a long period of time. And because um, we'll look at, look at the, the deacon, let's keep reading in verse um, eight. Likewise, the deacons must be grave, not double tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith and a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. You know what he's saying? Before you make someone a deacon, you need to prove them first. Well, what does that mean? Well, remember when David, in 1 Samuel 17, when he was going to go fight Goliath and Saul gave David his armor? And he's like, you know, I can't use these because I haven't proved them. You know what he's saying? I haven't put these to use yet. I haven't tested them out. I don't know how they work. I don't know how I would fight, you know, with, with this. You know, what, and what did he do? He took something that he had proved, something he had tested out, his trusty sling. He knew how to use that. He knew how it worked. He knew what he could do with that sling. And while that sling was probably pretty pathetic looking and not very intimidating looking to the giant, while that armor and Saul's weapons probably would have looked more intimidating, the truth is, David's like, I haven't proved those. I have proved that sling and a stone. And there's a lot of people out there, before we are going to put them in a position, before we're going to give them something, they need to be proved. They need to be tested. And one of the tests, one of the big tests I look at is, are they faithful to attending church? If people can't even attend church faithful, why would I count on them for anything else? I mean, I'm just talking about church attendance. 
If you can't do that, what makes me think you're going to do the big things? Well, I, you know, I'd be, I'd be faithful. No, you, no, you wouldn't. If you're not faithful in the little things, you're not going to be faithful in the big things. The Bible tells us that over and over again. If we see in Jeremiah 12:5, if thou hast run with the footmen and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with horses? And if in the land of peace wherein thou trusted they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of Jordan? Say, hey, if you can't even keep up with the footmen, you're not going to be able to handle when the horses are there. If you can't handle living in a land of peace, you're not going to be able to handle it when the warfare comes. And it's just, it's, it's true. We can tell what people are going to do by how they are and the little things. If you're not faithful to the house of God, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be faithful pastoring a church. If you're not faithful to your wife, we see he's supposed to be a husband of one wife. You're not going to be faithful to that church. If you can't even handle your own family, if you can't even raise your own kids right and get them in behavior, how are you going to run the church of God? It's saying you've got it. We're going to look at all these other things because these things are tests. That's why I mentioned, you know, being the husband of one wife. Okay. Marriage is challenging, isn't it? And if you can handle it, if you're having a good marriage, that's a, that's a good sign. That's a good test. That's why, you know, we're not going to ordain single guys. Okay? You know, we will, a lot, any single guy can, you know, be faithful to church and so on. You don't have any responsibilities. But how are you going to handle it when you have responsibilities? When you have a wife? When you have children? How are you going to handle those things? And, well, you know, single people can be faithful too. Yes, they can, but it's going to take us a lot longer to figure that out. Because the truth is, you know, we are, these things are tests. The marriage, the raising children. You know, some people believe if they don't have any children, they shouldn't pastor. I personally believe what this is talking about is that if you, if your children are out of control, you are disqualified. Because the truth is, you know, being able to raise good children, that shows leadership skills. Can somebody who doesn't have any kids have good leadership skills? Yes, but we're gonna, it's gonna be harder to see. It's gonna be harder to tell. And so, uh, that's my opinion on that. People who disagree with me, they're, that, that's fine. But me personally, that, that's how I feel on that. It's just gonna be harder to tell. We might have to give them a few more tests to figure out, uh, whether or not there's somebody who's qualified. Cause you know, Proverbs 24.10 says, If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Okay, if you're somebody who faints when trials come, if you're somebody, you know, if I'm going to go fight a battle and, you know, the first time you hear a gunshot, you know, you pass out, you faint, I'm like, oh boy, what's this person going to do, you know, when the blood's flowing, you know, they're, they're, I'm, we can't count on them. And you know what, if you give up, if you quit, the first time somebody in the church runs their mouth and criticizes you, your strength is small. You're not somebody that we should be ordaining and putting in the ministry. You've got to be willing to put up with a lot of criticism. You've got to be willing to put up with a lot of stupidity. And if you do, one little thing. Somebody, you know, disses you and all of a sudden, you know, you're wanting to cry and quit. Man, we can't count on you. And so we, we do. We need to, you know, be willing to do these small things and prove ourselves in these small things. And that's how... We know 
that you can count on them. That's how God knows you can be counted on. You know, even in school, you got to pass first grade before you go to second grade, don't you? It, it, even in school, it's like that. In baseball, you got to go through the minor leagues before you get to the major leagues. All sports, it's like that. And you know what? God, we see here in 1 Timothy 1.12 that God does not count on us because of our abilities, but because of our faithfulness. We, it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. Okay? He enabled him. Why did he enable him? For he hath counted me faithful. God enabled him because he was counted faithful. Because of his faithfulness, God enabled him to be able to do the things that he needed to do in the ministry. And you might say, I don't have a lot of abilities. I don't have, you know, I, I can't do this or I can't do that. Well, you know what? You can be faithful. Anyone can be faithful. Whatever God has given you in your life, you can be, if you are faithful to that, God will enable you to do greater things. God will enable you to accomplish things that you normally wouldn't have been able to accomplish. God didn't use people in the Bible. The lot, many of the people that we see in the Bible, it's clear God didn't use them because of their abilities because the people that we see God giving abilities to were faithful people. Okay? Think about Samson. Okay, Samson. Now, we think about Samson as not a very faithful guy because when we read the story, we see his failure. All right? But think about this. He had that Nazarite vow from his mother's womb where no razor would ever be able to come on his head, you know, not take anything that's from the vine, not going around any dead thing. Now, I don't know how old Samson was when God really started using him, but he's an adult. And so think about it. He kept that vow for years and years and years. And you know what? The Holy Spirit would come upon him and God would give him great strength. And I personally, I don't believe that Samson was this great big muscle man. Because people looked at him and they didn't know where his great strength came from. You know where his great strength came from? It came from God. Because God enabled him. God gave him strength because he was faithful. Now, Samson messed up, didn't he? Samson ended up messing up. He ended up breaking every one of those things in the Nazarite vow. And he ended up getting defeated. He ended up getting his eyes put out. He ended up being put into prison. But you know what it says in Judges chapter 16, verse 22? It mentions, though, that his hair began to grow. You know what? Samson started doing it again. He started being faithful again. And while it was never like it was before... God ended up giving Samson one more great victory. In fact, his final victory was his greatest victory that he ever had. God did give him a chance to start over. He said, I've been unfaithful in the past. Well, you know what? Start being faithful now. And God, God will give you another chance if you will be faithful now. You've got to be faithful from here on out. We think about guys like David. Hey, you know, David, he was obviously good with the sling. But David, he was somebody who was faithful Someone that God could count on. Men like Moses. Okay? Moses, before God put him in, you know, had him deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, he was a shepherd for 40 years. For 40 years, he sat around as a shepherd. I don't know what all went on during that time, but you know what? I imagine maybe God saw him being faithful with his duties as a shepherd, and he said, you know what? He's a faithful shepherd. I'll let him lead my people. Out of Egypt. Well, that's a whole lot harder leading, you know, a couple million people out of Egypt than, you know, watching over sheep. Yeah, but you know what? If you're, you're faithful in that little thing, God will give you that ability 
to do the big thing. And God enabled Moses to do what Moses did. Why? Because he was faithful. And so we need to, we need to get it out of our head that, you know, I gotta have all these talents and abilities. It's not about us. It is just about our faithfulness. And God will enable us to do greater things. All of these men that we mentioned were flawed. All of them made mistakes. And no one has to have a lifetime of no mistakes, but we ought to have a long history of faithfulness. And it is. It's amazing how many people have never consistently done anything for more than a year, yet they're expected all these positions and appointments. It's just not going to happen. And the truth is, if you are someone who's faithful or not faithful, you're, everybody knows it except for you. And you, know, you want to know who some of the most accurate gauges of who's faithful and who's not faithful are in the church? And it's preacher's kids. Alright? And, and I know this because I was one. Preacher's kids are, I believe, are the most accurate when it comes to predicting what church members will do. Alright? I'm not going to say who it was. I had someone that I knew who was a pastor's son, and I remember we were at his church one time, and it was one of the funniest things. He was telling me every single thing that was going to happen in his church. Every single thing. He, he was telling me all about, he was always telling me stories of people in this church. He's like, watch this person. This person always does this and this person always does that. And so I remember church came and they told us specifically about this one lady in the church who sang in the choir, who sang real off key, was a bad singer. And she always had to sit right behind where the pastor sat. Well, my dad was preaching there that day. He was sitting up there. And so the pastor sat in a different chair than where he normally does. And it was funny because it was like, you know, I remember we saw he was sitting in the wrong seat and they're like, oh man, she's not going to be sitting behind dad. And then all of a sudden, she like gets up and switches spots and sits directly behind him. And it was, it was, it was just the funniest thing. And he's predicting every little thing that's going to happen in the service. Sometimes when his dad would preach, he'd be like, yeah, he's going to, he's going to tell this story. He's going to tell, he was always like telling me everything that was going to happen, predicting every little move. People were going to make in the church. And I remember when I was a kid, we did the same thing. We used to do the same thing whenever events were going on. You know, we always knew who all was going to show up, who wasn't going to show up. If the weather was questionable, you know, we knew which people were going to take advantage of the excuse and which ones weren't. We, and we would get in trouble for that too. And, 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 and this right here, this is why preachers' kids are the best at it. And they're even better than the pastor. It's because pastors, you know, we usually see the best in our members. You know, we don't want to think bad about, you know, we don't want to think our people are lame or pathetic or anything like that, you know. And pastors, we're under the delusion that our preaching is straightening everybody out. You know, we think, man, I, you know, I already preach on that and they, they got it. They figured it out. You know, and, and uh, pastors also, a lot of times too, we just naturally ignore problems because we don't want to deal with it. You know, sometimes you just, man, I just, I don't want to deal with junk. And so it's real easy for us to just ignore things without even realizing you're doing it. But the preacher's kids, <laughs> they've got no reason for any of that. They just tell it like it is. And, I mean, if, if you do, if, if, if you wanted to find out who can be counted on in a church and who would be qualified for the ministry, and we're not going to do this, I'm not going to ask my kids this, alright? Don't, don't go trying to put on a show in front of them. Preacher's kids, they see through all that junk too, alright? They, they, they see through all that but if you went to the pastor's kids, they could probably, and probably any kid in the church could probably nail that um, and nail you perfectly. And, but, uh, you know, the truth is, 
everybody knows who's faithful and who's not, except for the person many times. They're like, why aren't I? Why can't? Why don't people count on me? It's because they do count on you. They count on you to fail. They count on you to not do what you should do because that is what you always do and what you have always done. I remember a guy in our church growing up. It seemed like every six months, you know, he was out of church. And he'd be out of church for a while and then he'd come back to church and, oh, I'm sorry I got away from God. This is never going to happen again. I'm giving my life to the Lord. I'm going to keep on for God and all that. And I, I remember as a kid, he'd get up and he'd give that testimony. I remember like, yeah, he'll be out again pretty soon. <laughs> and that's a terrible attitude to have. Terrible attitude. But, you know, I was always right. I was always right. I watched that for years and years with this man. And he... and. and just never surprised. And currently right now, he's back out of church again. You know, I mean, you know, 30 years later, still the same problems. And so we need, you know, God doesn't give special treatment, you know, to, uh, or God, God will give special treatment to those who are faithful versus those who are unfaithful. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 18. Turn over real quick. We'll close with this. Genesis chapter 18. I think this is interesting what God says about Abraham. And Abraham clearly was a very special, special person to God. Abraham was called a friend of God. And look what he says in Genesis 18, verse 16. It says, And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring him on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? God was getting ready to just, He was going to destroy Sodom. And he's like, Should I hide this from Abraham? Or should I tell him about it? Okay, now, this has nothing to do with Abraham. Okay, God's about to destroy Sodom. Now, God knows that Abraham has somebody that he cares about in Sodom. But the truth is, what God was going to do to Sodom, it had nothing to do with Abraham. God was going to do it. But God says, should I hide this thing from Abraham? Or should I tell him what I'm going to do? And this is why God was thinking, you know what, maybe I'll go ahead and tell him. He says, seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God said, you know what, I'm going to let him in on what my plan is. I'm going to let him know what I'm doing you know why? Because I know him. He's going to command his children. He's going to be a mighty nation. He is going to be faithful. And the Bible, in the New Testament, it refers to him as faithful Abraham. Because of that, God, and God gave Abraham special insight. Yep, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do. This is what, this is what I'm going to do. God let Abraham in on that simply because he was faithful. That was all there was to it. God's like, I'm going to share this with Abraham because he is faithful. And you need to realize that that's what God is looking for in people today. God is looking for people who are faithful. People you can count on. God said, I know him. He will command his children. And you know why? As a pastor many times, I don't want to use certain people because I know them. They will not come through. They will not do what they say they are going to do. And God's the same way. God knows us. What does God say about you? Yeah, I can't use them. You know why? Because I know them. They're not going to do what I tell them to do. They're not going to follow my ways. 
You can't count on them. And so the reason many people never get any opportunities is because they can be counted on and that is to fail. But I don't want to be counted on for that. I want to be counted faithful because I want God to enable me to do great things. And if I'm not willing to do the little things, God's not going to enable me to do greater things. I know myself well enough to know that I haven't got the ability to be... I, I, I don't... So I'm not... A lot of the great qualities that you see in leader, great leaders... I don't have a lot of those things. Those are not my uh, those are not my strong points. Whether it be my personality, just how I do things. But you know what? If I can at least be faithful to what God has given me, God can enable me, and God can help me in those areas and give me those abilities in the areas where I know I lack. If I will at least be faithful with what God has given me. God can increase my abilities, and I believe that God will do that. And so what Liberty Baptist Church needs, it's a group of people who are faithful. Faithful in their walk with God. Faithful to their families. Faithful to this church and what this church is trying to accomplish. People who will be faithful with the parts they enjoy and faithful with the parts that maybe is not necessarily their cup of tea. Get on board with the program of this church, okay? Some things you might not think are that big a deal. You know, when we have special days and we're trying to have a big push for something, you know, maybe that's not your favorite thing. But say, you know what? This is my church. This is what they're trying to accomplish. This is what they're trying to do. I'm going to make it a success. I don't care about that, but I want to help it succeed. I want to be a part of it. That's what a faithful church member does. Don't just be faithful on the things we can count on. You know, there's some people you can count on and they're faithful to the meals. They're faithful to the fun stuff. They'll be faithful to the picnic, but they're not going to be faithful to the work. They're not going to be faithful to the work days. They're not going to be faithful to the soul winning. They're not going to be faithful to the Bible studies. They're faithful, you know, whatever the, the big things going on, you know, we're going to be having some soul winning marathons coming up. And you know, I hope everybody comes, alright? Don't let what I'm about to say scare any of you from participating in some of the big things we have coming up. But some people are faithful to the big things when everybody's around, when you got the guests coming in, but they're not willing to be faithful on just the regular weekend, week out thing. And that's what we need. You know, who cares if we have a soul winning marathon and we get 50 or even 100 people out participating, but then the rest of the year, those people are doing nothing. You know who's more important? It's those who do the weekend, week out faithful all the time. That's what matters. That's what really makes the difference. And we need people to be faithful so God will enable them to do great things. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Get that in your head. Let that be you. God put me in Liberty Baptist Church. This is my church. I want to be used. And you know what? I haven't got a lot of abilities, but... Wherever I'm at, whatever I can do, I'm going to be faithful. Pastor Tommy will be able to count on me. If I volunteer for something, he knows I'm going to do it because I'm faithful in everything that I do. And that's, that needs to be your goal and your attitude. And you'll be amazed at how God will enable you. You might find yourself doing some things that you never thought you'd, you would do. How that happened? Where did that come from? God enabled you. Because he counted you faithful. That's what God did with the Apostle Paul. And so with that, let's all stand together.